I joined Resurity just under two years ago. Uh, at the time, I was looking for my next move. I was looking for something that had two things. First of all, I love companies at a certain stage when they're just trying to scale. They have product market fit. They have, you know, commercial viability. Uh, and they have, you know, a good team so that you're, you've got something to work with. Uh, but they're trying to get to the next level. And so that described Resurity very well. Um, they've, you know, when I started talking to Lee, our CEO, he has, you know, big vision. And uh, so that part was kind of a, a fast check box of yes. Um, the second part is I really wanted to work for an organization that was truly mission driven and that the work that I would be doing on a day to day basis in some small way could have an impact on the world and leave it better than I found it. And I think in the early parts of a career, I know for mine, it was very much of like, I want to learn, I want to take any opportunity that I can get something worthwhile out of. Uh, but as I've, you know, learned more and developed my skills and thought more about how I want to prioritize my time. Something that was really missing was this impact piece and mission piece. And so for Resurity, the focus is really on, you know, it's a it's a profit-driven business, but wanting to have an impact in terms of the you know, global climate crisis. And uh, the underlying premise is that the markets can support um, driving towards a better better world uh, in, in, in terms of carbon um, carbon reduction and emissions reduction. So uh, Lee makes a great sales pitch regarding this. I talked to probably a quarter of the organization as I was going through the interview process and they all were rallied around the same focus uh, and I got, it got me really excited. And mission is great, business is great, but the last piece of the puzzle was you know, I really wanted to test where things were going next. And so probably about three years ago, the organization had been, you know, around for seven years, was successful in a very niche space. The focus was on uh, data analytics around risk management for clean energy, you know, wind and solar projects. And uh, that was not something that you would Google and find surety, or it's not something that you walk into a room and someone knows anything about those areas. But surety had developed this. Lee had, had taken it as a project out of business school uh, and successfully got it up and running. And that worked and was good. But as I say, the, you know, the growth goals were bigger than that. And they realized they had all this great data that um, could really help guide decision making. And that by staying in this niche space that was very kind of consulting and, and um, hands on, we were limiting the opportunity to share that information with organizations all over the world who are focused on this as one of their kind of goals. Uh, you know, the Microsofts of the world, the Amazons of the world who are really, you know, setting aggressive sustainability agendas and they care about how we're accounting for these things. And so surely moved into the software space and that has been an interesting path so far developing software products thinking about sales and marketing in a, a SaaS type business from originally a very high touch niche professional services business and financial services business so that was the last piece that I said okay this is this is going somewhere and it's going to it's going to work <laughs> yeah you you mentioned something at the beginning of that which is they, you had noticed that they had product market fit and that was a place that you're drawn to. 
Um, and everybody kind of, I think after you do this a, a while, you start to understand the stage that you enjoy the most and bring the most, you know, value to the table. What is it about sort of post product market fit that appeals to you? Because some people are really drawn to earlier stages where it's like very up and down, like craziness yep. pursuing that product market fit. Others are drawn sort of to the more enterprise mature kind of, we've got the market share, let's defend it and keep it and all that type of thing. What is it about? Cause I'm, I'm the same as you. I really love post market fit and, and the scaling of that, but what is it for you personally that draws you to that? Yeah, for me, I think it's about, um, I'm not a salesperson, so the hunt isn't the thing that gets me excited. For me, I really like the idea that we can just be better at something. And I think that that's what comes with scale. You know, the scale stage is all about how do you do the things that you've been successful at with a small team and a scrappy mindset and make them something that you can get out to a wider audience, a team that you can grow and you can, you know, retain and, and develop the culture that was there from the early days and so for me product market fit is a good reflection of you know how many problems you might have to deal with when you walk in the door if you have that piece you're you're kind of out of the starting blocks already and so it's not a question of like whether or not you'll succeed or like make it around the first bend it's a question of okay what can what do we need to tweak and adjust and what can we add and how do we just keep getting better not how do we find our path and so for me it's about how do we keep getting better yeah in, in other ways it's like there's relevance the, the audience is saying yes we want this now it's a matter of innovation is there the values are how do you distribute it as far as you can take it right Exactly. And when you have like the part that I found interesting about Resurity, because I really uh, loved the team and leave when I talked early on, part that I found really I was trying to test for in the late stage conversations was, you know, tell me more about the commercial piece. Like, who are the customers? Why are they coming to you? How do you find them? How do you sell? Uh, and that part was sort of like, well, they kind of, they come to us. <laughs> like, we don't have, because I looked at the website and I was like, this is like, how is this a business? The website isn't very clear. Um, I'm still not quite sure what they do. And, uh, you know, it was really kind of, I guess I was thought if the customers are coming with this level of kind of marketing and knowledge and customers are still coming and asking for things, then this is a good place to be. Like you, you can just keep building from there. And, you know, we've brought on a head of marketing in the, in the last kind of 15 months. Uh, and she's, you look at our website today it looks totally different than it did uh, when I was initially interviewing uh she's really leaned into that as well of like okay we have like good seeds and how do we build for, like grow from there um but I do think the uh you know the the customers coming and having some product market fit and then being able to like leverage what they see and what they have feedback and what their workflows are and being able to get more granular and specific and Kind of like when you have that foothold, what other workflows can you support? Uh, and it, it just, it, I think you can move quickly that way. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of services oriented and consulting practices that are trying to productize what they do and try to build software around it. A lot of it usually stems from an idea of like, how do we make this easier on ourselves? Or just, hey, I think there's more revenue to grab here. But to me, what I'm also hearing is there's so much demand, we can't fulfill it doing it the kind of manual uh, labor intensive way, very hands-on white glove type service way. 
and there's a huge demand for it. We're only seeing the beginning of it. So we have to find a way to be a multiplier in the space and software is one of the ways we can do it. We can still have high touch when necessary. Is that, is that kind of where it came from is just responding to that demand? Um, in some ways, yes. But I think for us, a lot of it came from we have a lot of proprietary data and we have a lot of insight that can help different types of buyers, whether they're clean energy buyers or developers or, you know, um, investors uh, in clean energy projects. And the combination of that data and the very talented team we have in the, you know, data analytics and research space meant that we really wanted to be able to have a bigger impact by sharing information more broadly. And so one of the things that has come from the work that we do is um, our uh, locational marginal emissions information, which is focused on identifying really carbon emissions uh, at a very granular level. And that was a project, a research project that was done in collaboration um, with a request from Microsoft wanting to just account for things more accurately. They said, you know, we've gotten the first step. We've managed to develop, you know, some accounting mechanism, but we know that it's not right. Can you make it better? And so for us, that was a starting point. And now, uh, you know, there is an initiative that's driven by Amazon uh, and a wide collection of other companies called Emissions First that's really about leveraging this locational marginal emissions work that we did and trying to drive the industry to just be more accurate uh, and, and better with, with how we're accounting for our impact on the world. And honestly, the high, you know, the scalability is important, but for us, it was it was more than just being able to service more customers. It was about making the impact be multiplied. Yeah. So you've got this great situation where the customers are seeking you out. And typically, who are they and what are the problems and the pain points that they have? And, and why is it that they are coming to you? Like somebody has referred them or something to where they're saying, hey, you can solve this pain point. Like wh who are they and what are they looking for? Yes. So as I mentioned, we have a wide collection of uh, potential customer types. So you have, you know, the clean energy buyers are a big customer segment. Those are, you know, the, as I mentioned, like the Microsofts of the world, the Akamai's of the world who are committing to big sustainability goals around their carbon emissions and their energy procurement plans. And so they're coming to us because they're talking to maybe advisors in this space, energy procurement advisors who are saying, if you want to do X, Y, and Z, you should talk to Resurity. And so that was one avenue. We also work with uh, project investors. So the likes of Han and Armstrong, who are investing in these clean energy projects, sometimes, you know, when they're already up and running and they're making, you know, they're, they have a portfolio of these of these different projects. For them, they're talking to us because they want to get insight into that portfolio beyond what they have access to. They want to have some some forecasting capabilities uh, as to what to expect in terms of that portfolio performance. And, you know, the financial products of the world, there are a lot of analysts out there who try to forecast. And, uh, you know, our joke is that, like, no forecast is right. You're just hoping to get it, uh, you know, I would say, directionally correct um, and with the intellectual rigor that you believe it deserves. And so, again, back to our underlying proprietary data, 
you know, a lot of these folks like Helen Armstrong don't have access to that information around, um, you know, weather performance over 40, the previous 40 years. Uh, and so we help them with that. Yeah. What does their world look like if a resurity uh, doesn't exist or they don't have access to your team? Are they looking at two projects and saying, oh, these look pretty similar? Whereas when they're working with you, you're saying, hey, no, these are not similar projects. Uh, what, what does that look like? Yeah. Uh, so a great question. Um, this world is a very manual world in some ways. And so there's a lot of advisors out there because people who, you know, maybe they only need to procure a small amount of energy. They're doing it once. It's a very complicated uh, sourcing process and transaction. And so they, there's plenty of organizations who can support that activity. Um, so, but the part that, that we help with that isn't necessarily as available is we have three separate products. So the first is a market intelligence tool that gives you insight into operational projects and, and kind of how estimated performance might be in a specific region if another project got built. So in one way, it's very, it's just an you know aggregation of a lot of data that isn't necessarily easy to aggregate. And one example we had with this was a municipality who's looking to, to, to procure a um, virtual power purchasing agreement. And they had targeted a specific uh, area and the purpose of this was sustainability. Uh, they were looking for, for certain um, emissions reductions uh, impact. And when we did the analysis for them using the tools, they said, well, we can't, we can't commit to uh, a contract in that area at all. There's just, it just doesn't, uh, it doesn't actually meet our objectives. And so they were, they were pretty far down the path at that point. Um, and so we helped them uh, focus on, on where they could get the, the impact that they were looking for. Um, for some customers who are using our portfolio tool, which is looking at, you know, analysis of past performance and forecast for future performance. Uh, what we found is that they just either have multiple people internally trying to manually aggregate lots and lots of different data that is difficult to consume and isn't similarly formatted. Um, and so sometimes they say it's not worth it. <laughs> we'll just assume it's all correct. Sometimes they, you know, maybe go and buy generic market forecasts, but it's very much based on the past and not based on um, a model that accounts for the future. So there's some options, but they're not great options. Um, yeah. so we think that we're getting very positive feedback. You know, we had one customer who said we did an audit uh, as part of the portfolio setup and they were amazed to see the discrepancies that were, you know, in the millions uh, and how our tool could have helped them catch those sooner. Yep. Any every um, every brand that's in the emissions accounting space, uh, it, it's for the average everyday person. It's 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 confusing, and uh, and and largely don't get exactly the details of it. Whenever you're talking with friends outside the industry, how do you break down and explain what it is that you do uh, to someone who's not you know yep. uh, in it every day? Uh, that's a great question, and I don't come from this industry, so I had that you know deep immersion when I started. Uh, for me, I, I try not to focus on the complexity of the industry. There is a lot. I basically say we do two things. So for us in the industry, we're trying to mitigate risk of buying energy. 
And there's a lot of risk that comes with wet, relying on the weather. You can control many, many things, but the weather is not one of them. So that's a large part of our portfolio. It's our, it's the, the reason we were initially founded. The second thing that we try and do is give people visibility and audit, you know, auditing capabilities. And uh, those kind of concepts just apply across many, many industries. So usually at that point, people go, okay, so you're kind of like in data, you do something that impacts the environment and uh, it sounds like you're trying to do good <laughs> uh, and then they get bored and move on. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think you and I were joking last time we talked. I, this is an area that, you know, if I was to place some bets in an in a area, I would place bets in this. I, I think we joke that, you know, we're still trying to figure out financial accounting. So, and that's way more, well, for the basic everyday company, that's way more simple than, emissions accounting. It's just, there's just so many complexities and, and different ways to look at it and it's new and we're still wrapping our heads around it. So there's a lot to be figured out. And so I can, I can imagine that when someone says, Hey, Rashardi can help. They're probably happy to give you a call or an email to find out in what ways, what, what are some of those like sort of talking points or value props that you're communicating to somebody whenever they do reach out? Yes, it very much depends on their individual needs. Like, mm -hmm. you know, uh, what someone who is looking in, in the procurement stage is looking for is very different from someone who has an established portfolio. Or if they're looking, you know, for, I guess, if they're trying to manage, if you're on a finance team, you're probably trying to manage the financial exposure associated with some of these transactions. If you're on a sustainability team, you're trying to manage the environment, like the impact, the carbon impact. Uh, so we try and find that first for us. Discovery is a really important part of the process. Um, then it's about, for us, the value prop is quality of like the intellectual rigor that I mentioned earlier, the quality of the data and the the broadness of the richness of the data that we can bring and making it consumable, right? Not everyone can sit in data all day, nor do they want to. And so for us, we, we really try and break it down into, okay, there is the high level view. Is that the thing that will help you? Do you need the more in-depth view? Let's look at that piece. Or do you need nearly like an outsourced support to make sure that like everything that you assumed was correct is actually correct. So a lot of it is just finding out what they need. We have quite a lot of um, flexibility in our tools. Yeah. Uh, I would assume you consider this still early days for both. I mean, Resurity is is not a, a new venture. You guys are established and, and, and still going, but there's still a long ways that not only your team can go, but also the industry. Do you, or does your team kind of have a sense of where this is where this is going? I mean, is there a kind of a vision in your in your mind's eye of like what this is going to look like in the future as things mature and progress? I think we're at this point in the um, industry where there's a lot of small, scrappy startups on the technology side. So everyone's realizing that the technology piece isn't strong enough yet where there's a lot of investment is in the physical side. So if you drive across Texas, you will see all of those wind farms and all of those solar farms. And so that part has made a lot of progress, uh, but the technology is now trying to catch up in terms of um, monitoring, visibility, um, you know, the accounting side of it is huge. As you mentioned, for us, you know, everyone I think is at this 
kind of uh, nexus point of, okay, we, we did one thing. We found one way to account for carbon as part of the financial accounting process. But we all knew it wasn't perfect when we started. We just wanted to get something going. And now everyone's saying, we need to make this better. We have to be, you know, we really have to have the the original purpose being uh, an original out, expected outcome actually being delivered. And so that's really where the industry is. It's a lot of companies rallying together to drive what they think is going to be best trying to work with, um, you know, policy outlets and uh, governmental organizations to get regulations and policy in place to help uh, drive things forward. And I think that's going to continue for a little while. And as all of those variables change, the technology is going to need to keep iterating to stay on top of it. You know, we're happy to work and, and working hard with a variety of different organizations to on those initiatives. Um, but it, it's a lot of a lot of change, uh, and I think we'll start to see some of the industry. Um, I think you know go through more M and A processes as the kind of companies that are leading the charge really uh, break into their stride. Yeah, are there misconceptions um, in this space, or maybe obstacles and roadblocks that are you know shouldn't be there in your view, or need to be removed? Uh, just annoyances that prevent teams like yours from progressing forward or is the road smooth and clear and it's just a matter of how fast you can build it and go there i'm curious yeah if i look at the industry part there's definitely roadblocks particularly around transmission is a huge problem in our industry so all these projects get built which sound great and then if they can't connect to the grid or you can't you know you can't you don't have the transmission lines that can get that power out to where they're there uh, that it needs to go it's kind of a pointless endeavor. Um, and so that is not something that is controlled by individual companies. That's not really controlled um, even by single entities. It's got a lot of stakeholders involved to improve upon. So that's a roadblock for us in terms of the speed that clean energy uh, construction can happen. In terms of roadblocks for us as an organization, I mean, We've just gone through an extremely tight labor market trying. We have a really high bar for quality and um, and approach uh, and data. And it's been hard to keep up with a market that's been moving as rapidly as it has. Uh, and so we shall see what the next 12 months brings. But we're hoping we have built the culture and built the environment that makes people want to come and work with us and stay with us. Um, and I think the last piece in terms of the smoothness is I think just, you know, potential economic changes over the next couple of years and what customers are, are doing around budgets. Like we've just seen a huge number of tech layoffs in large organizations and it's hard to to invest in sustainability initiatives when you're you're kind of um you're looking at cost control measures across your organization but i do think the consequence of kind of deprioritizing sustainability initiatives are the magnitude is so large and the the long-term impact is just a, a real issue so i think there's a little bit more pragmatism uh and i'm, I'm hopeful it stays that way 
Yeah, I think people are starting to understand it's not, in some cases, it's not proactive. It's, um, you're proactively trying to reduce and mitigate a risk that's, that's there. I think they're more aware of the risk. Are, are you seeing that? I'm sure you are. Are you seeing that when you're talking about talent recruitment, you've got high standards that, you know, the impact that you're having, I'm sure plays into that. Uh, it seems like as I talk with people, it's their, the talent pool every year is getting better and better because people are sort of tapping out of something that was purely revenue driven, kind of no sense of purpose. And they're going over here in some cases taking a lower salary because they see a bigger impact and it's more meaningful to them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, salaries have a distribution across, across the market. And so we are trying to balance the benefits. One is, you know, good compensation. The next is having a real meaningful impact and mission that you can get behind. And then the third is having a great culture that people want to be in. And you need all three of those pieces ideally to come together in a very balanced way. Um, for us, we have a great team. We do find that we attract people and they're willing to come, you know, maybe a higher considered higher risk organization because we're smaller, we're not publicly traded, um, but we're very confident in our future and our growth. And so I think that that helps as well, give people the um, the kind of confidence that they need to yeah. make the switch. That's cool. What has been for you personally, the most rewarding aspect uh, since you've joined Resurity, what what's the what's the feel goods uh, that you're getting? Oh, there's so many. <laughs> um, I think on the internal side, it's the you know there's when I arrived, the number one thing that everyone on the team on my I did one on ones with every single person, and my question was, what is the one thing I shouldn't change? Uh, and every single person bar one said our culture of transparency. And that has only grown. So even though our organization has, has grown by 50% in the last uh, two years, we've managed to retain that culture of transparency. And I think it's really healthy. So that's exciting internally to know that we can start to scale up and still retain some of the things that make Resurity Resurity. I think from um, a more commercial perspective, it's been really exciting to see the level of adoption amongst our customers um, for new products and features that we develop and roll out. And it has been really, um, I guess, like we're working with some pretty big names and that's exciting. And we have some pretty big contracts and that's exciting. And, you know, sales is hard and marketing is hard and they take a lot of um, investment in terms of people's time and creativity and finances. And we've just started to make those investments and they're they're paying off. Like that is, uh, I mentioned Tara, our head of marketing. Like she started with very little to work with. She had some great customer reference stories because of the, the good relationships that we had built, but she didn't have much in terms of the website or traffic. She has uh, just really totally turned around. Like we have a full lead management process now. We have inbounds from our website, like continuously. We have, um, you know, a sales organization that's really started to hit its stride. That's something else that didn't exist when I arrived uh, that's been been developed as we've developed the software piece of the business. So I think just seeing those investments have impact relatively quickly has been uh, has been just fantastic. 